Dueling Genre Productions presents. Oh my god, do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my god, I'm flying. I can fly. I can teleport and I can fly. Super senses. What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now, there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The Powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. Dueling Genre Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, One Toss Down the Stairs at a Time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 83, which begins with uh, the continuation of that lingering wide shot of the Great Hall, and ends with Wormtongue getting tossed down the stairs like a bag of trash. Oh. I was going to say like a sack of potatoes, but okay. That was a brave stuntman. At least potatoes are useful. Oh. <laughs> oh. Burn. Sick burns here on Lord of the Rings Minute. So Thaden has a single line in this minute. Dark have been my dreams of late. I like the, I like the, the line because it is very um, poetic. And it's not the... First, it's the third thing we hear out of his mouth after he's been rebooted. I know your face. Eowyn. Gandalf? (laughs) Dark have been my dreams. (laughs) Soft reset. (laughs) Did you try turning it off and on again? Um, So the Wi-Fi was down. (laughs) Uh, Too close to home. Anyway, um, I like the line because it is, it's in that, um, like, faux old-timey, like, Shakespearean-esque mm. sort of language that they're kind of going for. Yeah. I'm not 100% certain that that's in the book, but it sounds like it might be, so I guess that's the point. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is, actually. Okay. Yeah. Or at least something very similar. And I like how 
the simplicity of it just it communicates so much like he's been in such a state that he doesn't know that he doesn't know how much time has passed he doesn't know what was real and what, what was yeah was... like reality from what was whatever saruman was doing to his mind because in the book he's described as like he as feeling like he was in a hole all alone relatable <laughs> and gandalf kind of like opened it up and shed light on him again and he was able to come back into his into his mind i think that's pretty sure that's how it's described in the book is something okay. along those lines you've never seen the west wing right correct oh there's such a good monologue about falling into a hole and like people helping you out oh it's so good um Anyway, that's the <laughs> wrong show. Gandalf here, always manipulating the situation, as, as Peter Jackson loves to point out and thinks is the best thing about Gandalf. That as much as Gandalf is just, like, freeing Theoden from this this possession, Gandalf has his own agenda here and is just like, your strength might return if you pick up your sword, buddy. <laughs> hey, remember your sword? It's pretty. Let's spend 30 seconds looking at it. <laughs> so in the book... Wormtongue has Theoden's sword in his locker in his room. They find it in Wormtongue's things. Oh, shoot. That sucks. So. It makes sense. Yeah. It's the smart thing. You Take the weapon away. Yeah, you declaw the king and then you, like, take his sword. His sword is beautiful. Yes. That is, that is the, the other shot in the movie. Like, individual, like, really quick shot of like a prop that compares to the gauntlets on the ring wraith mm. like i this one is prettier but they're both like really beautiful like they're they just want to show off the thing that they made well yeah it's gorgeous and this is overall probably my favorite sword design like i love arwen's sword and this sword are like my two favorites as far as how they look mm. i love the 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 guard that doesn't that isn't very wide but like the two horses kissing and it's like a heart and we talked about this in our review of the theatrical yeah it's like he's he's picking up his his heart to do battle again his him, i don't know i think it's I cool i vaguely remember this yeah yes yes that was a long time ago but not very long <laughs> at all yeah <laughs> it's like he's picking what was that, his, like 4 months ago yeah something like that oh like he's picking up his he's getting his courage back his his heart, well, his, he's his will. He's reclaiming his his strength. Yeah, as himself, like he is. The little kissing horses. I think, like he he comes back into his his body um, from wherever he was. Yeah, and this is him coming back into his will. Right, and I don't know, Gandalf. Gandalf has an agenda, but Gandalf also knows like the quickest way to get to to what he wants is by like pushing Theoden into waking up again yeah this is like theoden's cup of coffee like theoden yeah. woke up but now he's he's okay hama <laughs> is so awestruck he's so happy when he hands theoden is when he presents theoden with his blade hama looks so just in disbelief at what he has just seen he is he he is he is really overcome with awe he's happy his, his king is back. Yeah. Like he doesn't I, have to say things are by the order of Grimmel Wormtongue. Right? <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and he's one of the guys that tosses Wormtongue down the stairs. I would. 
get the hell out of here. <laughs> as soon as the sword is presented, Wormtongue tries to get away, and Gimli is like, nope. And then he's looking at, he's admiring his sword, and then his, he's like, he's thinking about something, and his eyes kind of narrow. Yeah, I like the way the camera shifts. Um, it like sweeps around him, and then he gets that look, and then he kind of like narrows his eyes, and then looks to his. Just as the music like really like like there's a there's a beat. His eyes shift to Wormtongue on a beat in the music, mm-hmm. and it it was really perfectly put together. Like his eyes shift to Wormtongue just as like the like a just as like a drum beat. Well, I also like the fact that Wormtongue gets thrown out on like the end of that, like the end of the, the, the song. <laughs> <laughs> like this the. Because this, this bit in the movie is the bit that we use for our outro music. Yeah. And when it, it decrescendos into the, the like the minor key, um, where it gets kind of dark and spooky again towards the very, very end, that's where Wormtongue falls on his ass. So <laughs> I like that it the music, like we have this, this joyous swelling of music when the king comes into his own again, and then it ends on a dark note. Because not only are we focusing on Wormtongue, but like Wormtongue, his fate is... There is violence being committed against him. Yeah. like, But I also like that, I mean, we'll talk about it more later this week, but the, the darkness of the music um, underscores not only like Wormtongue and his, like, his influence over the court, but also like Theoden's um, drive to uh, violence. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I mean, I, I think I talked about this last week or the week before, that, like, the, the Rohan theme really seems to mirror Theoden's story arc, mm. his arc as a character. Yeah. Where it starts out, like, when Bernard Hill, like, says that he felt like he was playing King Lear when he was the declined Theoden, which that I think sense. is very appropriate. Yeah. And he goes from playing King Lear to playing King Henry V. Yeah, which is... Yeah, the, I like I like that comparison a lot. Because King Lear is all about, like... And now I can't hear King Lear without uh, remembering uh, watching the King Lear with Ian McKellen. Mm. Which was so good. He does kind of play... Doesn't he say he plays three kings in these movies? Yeah, but he doesn't really, like, say what the other one is. But, like, I mean, I guess King Theoden. He's also Theoden. Oh, that's true. Like, that's the through line. I see Theoden as, like, the Arthur in decline. Is the way I always kind of see Theoden. Mm. He's, you know, it's the tail end of Camelot's time in the sun. Mm. And Arthur's going to go out in a blaze of glory. Sounds like Beowulf. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not as though those two stories aren't incredibly connected. That's true. Though Beowulf precedes Arthurian legend by quite a bit. Yeah. I I tend to... I Okay, full disclosure. I didn't like Beowulf when I read it. The first time in middle school, because who the heck has middle schoolers read Beowulf? I think I read it as a freshman the first time, and I wasn't really that into it either. Um, and obviously it was like an abridged version, uh, an abridged like translation. But I, I really want to read Tolkien's translation of Beowulf mm. because, and like you, you skew more towards Arthurian legend, but like when I'm thinking about stuff like this in Lord of the Rings, like the fact that he went out of his way to do a translation of Beowulf says more about that work and its influence yeah. on his, his, um, you fantasy. Know, I get the impression that that's also like just a thing that English language 
professors or like linguists do is do a translation of Beowulf. What you can't be like uh, an English professor at Oxford unless you've uh, <laughs> unless you've, you've translated you've Beowulf. <laughs> just feels like a very British thing to do. It's like, <laughs> what's that dumb thing that fraternities do? Like hazing? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta translate Beowulf. It's like a rite of passage. That's funny. That's really funny. But it is, I mean, and Beowulf is more, like, we've talked about before, Rohan is like Vikings with horses, and Beowulf is like the Viking. Right. So, or not like he's not Viking, but like you know, he's yeah. so, um, he's a Saxon. Yes, yes, like an ancient Saxon. Yeah, which you know they're all they're they're. Connected. And I mean, the Beowulf story has uh, a lot in common with Gilgamesh as well. Right. Like a lot of those epics are all incredibly similar. Life, like epic myth quest thing. <laughs> There's a reason the hero's journey is a thing, right? Joseph Campbell. He just noticed a pattern. It was just like, wait a second. <laughs> Why are these all like the same? I don't, I don't, I don't want to discredit Joseph Campbell's work being like, oh, he just noticed a pattern. I mean, he put it into words. I mean, that's an important <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. But and, there's a reason that story structure is what it is. Yeah. It yeah. works. You're, it's at, at the end of the day, like story structure is about finding the most concise or like simple quote-unquote way to convey something with the structure of your story that's why story structure feels so simple because mm. it has to be if you get really complicated you lose things and i think that there's a there's like sometimes i think that's the big problem like when i pick up a book and i'm just well, like not sure why i can't get into it a lot of it a lot of times it probably has to do with the structure i disagree i disagree the structure like the framework i mean it's like building a house right yeah like the the house is going to, the, the framework of the house is going to be similar no matter what, how big or how small or, you know, there's going to be um, like the. Right. The, the, if you mess with the foundation too much, the house is just going to fall down. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. I was going to say like the skeleton of the house is, is like the structure of the story. It doesn't matter what you fill the house with or like what color you paint the house, what kind of stuff you put in it, what, what, whatever. Those are all like details that are specific to your story but like the framework is going to be similar from house to house mm. you know and like structure is supposed to be simple because the over like the quote-unquote overcomplication of it is in the details yeah so i'm not quite sure i agree with what you were saying about overcomplicating the structure because to, when I think of structure, I don't think of it's it's like bullet points. It's like you're you're taking notes in college again, and it's just like this is the header, and then all the other stuff is the details. Mm. This is like the main point that you're supposed to take away, and then this is all the other stuff they might quiz you on. Well, you know, I think of like <laughs> like I think of the simplest form of the structure of a story that I can see in my brain is the witch's hat thing. The witch's hat. That's what we always called it in English classes when I was growing up. The like the introduction, the rising oh, action, the climax, oh, the falling oh, action. Okay. We always called it the witch's hat. Uh, I see story structure now as um, story circles. Thanks, Dan Harmon. Um, <laughs> where it's it's eight points on a circle, mm. and it because stories in my 
brain, I think, um, circularly, not linearly. So, um, or cyclically, I guess is the word, not circularly. Mm. Um, so that just works for my brain better. Yeah. Than... I mean, it's really trying to communicate the same thing. Well, it also depends on your background because like, I, I guess you're like philosophical background because like Western culture thinks linearly, like this is a point on this line and we are on this other point on this line. Mm. Um, but like Eastern philosophy is more about. Yeah, it's more about a circle. circle. Everything's a cycle. Yeah. And I skew it. I don't know. It's just the way your brain works. My brain works yeah. in circles. So I think in circles. Yeah. Because like Western, a lot of Western thought is like start point, end point, point yeah. steps in between. Right. A lot of Eastern point, a lot of Eastern thought is start point and end point are the, are the same, same, but the journey changes what the first point right. is. And that's, that's what a story circle is. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think they're both trying to convey like the same sorts of things. Like these are the sorts of beats you're supposed to hit. Along an arc. Yeah. Regardless. Because I don't think a story is like Frodo and Sam return to the Shire, but they're changed. Right. It's a circle. Yeah. And that. But what I mean, like, I mess with the structure is like, um, a lot of times, uh, starting in media res can bother me. Oh. That's the structure thing. I, I, I disagree. Um, because... Or like starting in the middle of a climax and then going back to tell me how I got there. That can bother me. I mean, ultimately, the structure is the same. It's just the way that it's arranged. Well, that changes the structure. Not really. Not if it's a circle. <laughs> it just depends on where on the circle you start. Hmm. If you're, like, using the weird... I, like, I vaguely remember learning about the, the, the triangle thing in, yeah. like, middle school English. But if you're starting, like... Or, like, the five-paragraph essay. Right. The five paragraph essay. Good God. Hey man, as long as your thesis is solid, you got a good you got a good essay. Right? That's that's what's important. That's the most important thing is your thesis. That's the only thing I learned in college. The most important thing is your thesis statement. What is uh, that what is what is the thing you are trying to get at here? I can't believe I was in student debt for learning how to like procrastinate as long as possible and still churn out my best work. Oh man. man. I did my best work at crunch time. Yeah. But it's annoying when that's the only way you can function. <laughs> it's like this isn't due yet. <laughs> oh crap, this is doing six hours. <laughs> Shoot. I gotta I gotta write twenty my, pages. I gotta hook up an IV of coffee. <laughs> oh man. No, I could not write twenty pages in six hours. I would die. I was so bad. I was so bad. Like I would do all my research for anything, like in the first week, and then just wait until the last day to actually write everything. <laughs> I'd just be like, "Cool, all my research is done. What I got plenty of time to do but, this." Like, what would you do when you had to turn in like a rough draft? Nah. Here's my outline. Yeah, here's my outline. That's not an out. That's not a rough draft. That's an outline. I was a history student. Oh, it was a little God. different for me. That's that's true. That's true. That's true. So just a, just a little bit. There's a little less emphasis on like everything before the finished product. I forget yeah. what we are talking about. Fan and getting mad. Oh yeah. Have we even talked about the minute? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a um. Oh my god! So uh, Thane and Sword, I uh, I caught the name of the two guys that made it out of the commentary. 
They were uh, John Harvey and Peter Lyons are the guys that made the Indian sword. Oh yeah, Peter Lyons is the the. He's, he's like the main guy. He's like the like the acclaimed or like one of the like sword dudes in. Yeah. They say Peter Lyons a lot, but they, they don't think they've said the name John Harvey all that much. Mm. So this this was uh, John Harvey and Peter Lyons. It's pretty. This is the the hero sword that Bernard Hill has to use in this scene so that it looks like it has Heft. a realistic weight. Uh, when he pulls it out of the sheath and picks it up, uh, he complained that it was quite heavy. But, you know, swords really aren't all that heavy. Mm. They only feel heavy because they're long. I like that it has uh, two The double fuller, yeah. yeah. It makes it look... Well, uh, you know distinct we watched that uh adam savage thing where he made a copy of excalibur from the movie uh -huh. that's also a double fuller sword and i wonder if that's a visual reference it was not a double fuller oh no it had a wide fuller yeah so it had like a ripple so it looked like a ripple that's no, right it had two way, really high points the way that um he was grinding the edges um mm. it was a uh i forget what there was like a hollow grind and like some other... And he learned how to grind the swords from what? Yeah, he learned how to grind the swords from, like, the Weta people that made these swords. Yeah. So, uh, I think the way that he was grinding the edges made it look, but the, the fuller was one distinct... Oh, yeah, it was just very big. ...down the thing. This has, like, two... Yeah. Distinct Giving it, like, ones. a wave form. Yeah. This is a pretty sword. It is. It does look very like Viking short sword. Are the are the horses in bronze? Yes, they're cast in bronze, which is also which probably makes the hilt feel quite heavy. Yeah, bronze is a very heavy metal. Yeah, this this looks like what most people probably picture when they picture like a Viking sword. You know, okay, there's a really cool YouTube channel that we just stumbled on. Apparently, it's been active for like years. Um, it's what is it, man, man at arms? Yeah, there are, the YouTube channel is called Ah Me, like A W E. Okay, but. And they have a bunch of stuff on there, like cosplay stuff. You can just like look Google man at arms, man you'll at find arms. it. They make all these fantasy weapons. Yeah, they, they they there's like there's like the the main um channel, and then there was like another one that was like there was a shop in California that was doing it, and then there was like a shop in Maryland that was yeah, doing like it. Like the first season or the first two seasons is the one in California, and then the newer ones are all this one in, in like Baltimore. Baltimore. Or I think it's Baltimore. Um, but they the one in Baltimore. There's this uh, very nerdy Russian yes. blacksmith. Yes, uh, he's super in anime. It's really funny. Um, but if you have like five hours to just devote yourself to watching people make swords on YouTube, it is pretty freaking choice. And I'm pretty sure they make some Lord of the like you can't not make Lord of the Rings swords. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if we saw any. But, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I. I know. I'm sure that they have. Yeah. I think one of the ones from the first season is the is uh, Aragorn's Ranger Sword. Okay. Yeah. But like we've watched them make a bunch of fantasy and TV weapons. And we'll have um we'll have Zach Luna back to talk more about swords at some point. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna <laughs> I think he's gonna be here for Theoden's armoring. So we'll talk about swords and armor with Zach Luna some more. Yeah, because he actually knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Yeah, what else happens in this minute? Wormtongue's um, tossed ass over key, uh, tea, key tettle. Key tettle. <laughs> tea kettle. <laughs> that is a brave stuntman. That look. That looks dangerous. Mm. He did a couple practice runs, right? Yeah. Can you imagine throwing yourself downstairs for a living? God, no. <laughs> he protects his head. If you really watch that moment, like, 
it looks safe. It doesn't look nearly as brutal as the the playing up of the sound effects makes it sound mm. when you really watch it. Because he knows what he's doing. Yeah, but I, I props to that guy. Props to the stunt guys. Without the stunt guys, lots of the stuff would not uh, not work quite as well. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm excited to talk about um, the stuff that happens after this. Yeah. It's mostly just Theoden looking at a pretty sword. Yeah, this is just Theoden like looking at a looking at his sword while the music crescendos, and then he's just like, "Wait a second, I'm holding a sword now, and, and I'm angry guy. about something. <laughs> what am I? Ang- I'm angry about you." <laughs> Warm tongue's face is just like, "Oh, he's like no. he like scans the room with his eyes, and he's just like you." <laughs> and then there is bloodlust. <laughs> Gandalf's like, "Fight, fight, fight." <laughs> Let them fight. Like that's why he gave. <laughs> that's why he gave Theoden a sword. He's just like, I know what he's gonna do. This is gonna be great. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for joining us today, everybody. We are from the website Dueling Genre. Uh, dot com. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> and you should, if uh, movies by minutes podcasts are your thing, they probably are. Since you're listening to us, you should check out the other Dueling Genre. Movies by Minute podcasts like Harry Potter Minute. They also did a Ferris Bueller's uh, Ferris Bueller Minute. There's the Cornetto Minute, uh, Back to the Future Minute, which wrapped up. Spider Man Minute is back. Yeah. There's Toy Story Minute, Jane Silent Bob Minute. Rocky. Rocky Minute. Talking about stairs. <laughs> Talking about stairs, yeah. <laughs> That's got to be like a full minute. <laughs> At least. Oh my gosh. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk some more about uh, Theoden's anger at one time. Bye!